Welcome to the Blaze and Bush Podcast. I'm Jeff Bush, and along with my co-host Jim Blaze, we are here to share with you authentic stories of God's extraordinary revelation in ordinary lives. Our hope is that like Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3, you may encounter the Lord through these humble experiences. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Jim, how are you? I'm doing well. It's nice to get back at this again, enjoying this great season of Lent. Amen, brother. Yeah. You know, I wanted to see how you were this morning because as we're going to start the show... Well, I got to tell you, Jeff, I am super excited about our guests. This is awesome. I'm really looking forward to this. I've got a confession, Jim. I was unable to secure our guest. Oh, no. In fact, he wouldn't even take my calls. Oh, gosh. This was going to be our best podcast guest yet. I was so excited. I'm a complete failure. Oh. Jim, I, uh, I couldn't procure our Holy Father Emeritus. Pope Benedict? Yes, sir. Oh. He wouldn't take my calls. Oh, my gosh. Well, Honestly, I never looked up the phone number because it was such a pipe dream as it was. <laughs> you, thought, you thought, this isn't going to work. How are we ever going to get Pope Benedict? And now, we're not going to get any of the questions answered that we had for him. Well, I don't think that's quite true. I think we can pull this off. How do you figure? Well, happily, the Holy Father, when he was, before he was emeritus, wrote the encyclical Deus Caritas Est meaning God is love. Well, let's hold on a second. I don't even know what an encyclical is. Oh, fair enough. So it's, a, it's an official letter to the church that the Pope writes. It falls in the line as the letters that St. Paul wrote to the different churches that we have collected in the Bible. Those are all encyclicals. And Pope Benedict, while still pontiff, wrote this. This was his first encyclical, and it was on the topic, obviously, of God is love to clarify that even in the midst of today's chaos and the challenges that we encounter, that God still truly is love. God is love. And that is a beautiful thing. And we needed the Pope to write that down in order for us to know that. I'll tell you what, if you read it, and I hope everyone will take the opportunity it is really profound in its reflection, and it is really clear. It clarifies so many things that are so inaccurate in how people interpret that phrase of God is love. They think of God in this way that God is just permissive, and that's his approach to love, that he is simply going to let us be and just give us gifts, and yet that is such a misinterpretation. Okay, so we're playing around here a little bit, because I, I did read this document indeed and i joke a little bit about what is an encyclical but to be honest with you when you said i needed to read an encyclical before the podcast i was literally going what is an encyclical <laughs> so thank you for sharing that <laughs> there you go. and maybe i'm the only one that doesn't know what an encyclical is that listens to this podcast which is very much possible but i doubt that okay so here's the thing you gave me three paragraphs Right. From this encyclical. And it's really not, it's not an overwhelming read. So what I initially thought was going to be 
9,000 pages was not 9,000 pages. It was only 29, the I whole, believe. The whole encyclical. Yes. Yeah, not just those three paragraphs. I read the three paragraphs and was moved to start from the very beginning. Yeah. Because this document, it really does bring this very practical yet faith-based presentation of God's love. And I know there's some questions that you want to ask very specifically about this. Well, here's the thing. The Holy Father anticipates our final question to each guest on our podcast. What would you recommend to our listeners that they do to hear God more clearly in their lives? The Holy Father phrases that question a little bit differently, but it's the same concept, actually. And he phrases it as, how do you love a God that is unseen, that is not visible? And then he delves more deeply into the question of, is God invisible completely, or can we perceive God? And that's what I wanted to hone in on. This is in... So in the encyclical, because you can get it online or you can get it in a book uh, and different printers can produce it, they don't give you page numbers to reference sections of this encyclical. They give you paragraph numbers. And so this is in paragraph number 17 that he really delves into how does God make himself visible to us. And this is what I think each of us is really longing for is to see God clearly because it influences our real practical actions. When we see God and put him first, then everything else falls into place as to how do I behave in traffic? How do I act in the office? How do I you know, teach my children? What do I teach my children? All of these things fall into place when we see God more clearly. And this is the advice that the Holy Father gives. And I think that's a big challenge for many of us, is not only how do we see God more clearly, but how do we, how do we act representative of God's love for us, where our actions portray our love back to him? Because it goes back to faith in action. It's the faith response of faith, right? Like it's the revelation of God, revelation of love, and the response of faith. That's the dynamic of our relationship with God. God always acts first, but then our response to that love is our gift back, is, is our love to him. It's, and he empowers us to respond in that way. Like that's the, we don't earn God's love. God first loves us. But then he empowers us to respond in a way that is loving. He has to give us his Holy Spirit. And it's, I come back, and I use this a lot. I lean on this verse a lot uh, to St. Peter walking on water, right? Like Christ's invitation calls him out of the boat to, and enables him to walk on water. But Peter has to walk. It's a both and. Peter has to... Christ didn't force him. Peter didn't float out of the boat by Christ's command. Christ didn't make him walk on water. Peter actually did the walking. 
but it was because of Christ's call. And in the same way, we can love God and we can live lives. We can grow in virtue and we can become more like God and start to take on his mind and his heart because Christ has invited us. And it's a universal invitation. All are invited. Not everyone accepts it. And so not, I mean, you think of the other 11. If all of them jumped out of the boat and tried to walk on water, only Peter requested it and only Peter was called forward the other 11 would have sank right like they you can't just assume it's it's a it's a reliance upon god they have to first hear the invitation but in this case all of us are invited i don't know if that's getting well, too, and you've too got technical to, you've got to take the first step yes yes what's going through my mind as you talk about peter taking that first step it reminds me of every parent who steps three or four feet away from a child when their child is beginning to walk. Yeah. You know, Jesus, in the case of Peter walking on water, was right there in front of him. He was there to catch him. Absolutely. If he fell, yes. he was there to provide this trust and encouragement that it is going to be okay. Yeah. Now, I think what's unique to that example versus many's perspective today is Jesus isn't visible. God is not visible physically, but we still need to walk with that trust. We still need to walk. We still need to hear the Lord's encouragement and walk towards him Mm -hmm. and walk in this this manner that is confident, that is representative of just your trust in the Lord. And this goes back to, you know, how do we act when we're in traffic, or how do we act when things don't go our way? Right. And a lot of us, our reaction is is frustration, it's anger. You know, you might be thinking about, like, where where are you, God, in this moment? Yeah. Or you might have taken your eyes off God entirely. Yes. Like that's, at least that's my experience, is that you become focused on, right? And this is what happens to be. You become focused on the problem or the things that are going poorly and you lose, you take your eyes off Christ. And that's when we begin to sink. But I want to take this and I want to turn it back to Pope Benedict because this encyclical is... Is he on the line? Uh... I don't know. I'm. I can try and read it in a Pope Benedict voice. <laughs> Very German. I had a, a friend who had a uh, magnet on her refrigerator, and uh, when Pope Benedict was Pope, and it said, "I love my German Shepherd." It had a picture of Pope Benedict. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, uh, I always like that. So, all right. So, what does? What are the very Real practical ways in which God makes himself visible. So the Holy Father says, and I'm going to quote this, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. He identifies, first, God does not remain completely inaccessible. He loved us first. And so it begins by saying, "His indeed, God is visible in a number of ways. In the love story recounted by the Bible, he comes toward us. He seeks to win our hearts 
all the way to the Last Supper, to the piercing of his heart on the cross, to his appearances after the resurrection, and to the great deeds which, through the activity of the apostles, he guided the nascent church along its path. And that's so that's where it begins. It actually begins in the whole story, which goes to today, the story of God's marvelous deeds for us. So it begins even with creation, God makes himself available. And we've spoken of that before, like St. Paul references that, that even those who did not know God's revelation, they are still not off the hook for their immoral actions because they can see by creation that God does exist and they can know in their hearts, you know, this is, we call natural law. They can know by natural law that we have been created to act toward each other in a way above what they were doing. And so he says, we have this aside from just the scriptures, aside from the revelation. But when we have this revelation, we know fully God's love for us. But he continues even past that. He says, God is also visible, and I quote, in the church's liturgy, in her prayer, in the living community of believers, we experience the love of God. And this is my favorite part. Ready? We perceive his presence, and we thus learn to recognize that presence in our daily lives. So Pope Benedict identifies some very practical ways in which God makes himself visible. He says, in the men and women who reflect his presence, who reflect God's presence, in his word, in the sacraments, and especially the Eucharist, in the church's liturgy, in her prayer, in the living community of believers, we experience the love of God. We, And this is the best line. We perceive his presence And thus we learn to recognize that presence in our daily lives. So it identifies all these ways in which God makes himself available. Ways in which God will faithfully be there every time. We can turn to these ways with confidence that this is where we will encounter God. And it might not be in the way that we want or that we think it ought to be, but it will be real and true, much like you think of Elijah who encounters God and the earth quakes and there's a storm with a violent wind and rocks are being thrown about and and crushed, but God's not in any of those things. And then there's the still silence. And that's when Elijah goes out to meet him. And we think of God, you know, naturally we think of God as all powerful and God is, we think of that because it's true, but we expect him to arrive in this powerful, majestic manner, and instead he comes in the humble and the simple and in the silence. And I think that that's really the gift of this line from Pope Benedict. It really is beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Jim. God speaks so clearly in silence. Yes. We're, we're living in a world, Jim, where our thoughts and our visions often coincide. Society today sort of leads our thinking visually. We need to, when we see something, we begin to think about it. When we begin to see things and think about things, we sort of begin to follow this path that's very tangible, that's quantitative, that's right in front of us. 
it's an easy response to the world today where I think the big challenge is God speaks to us in silence, which is just so counterintuitive to how everybody's day seems to be lived or most people's days seem to be lived right, right now where you physically have to take the time to be quiet and to listen for the Lord. It's not to tell the Lord what it is that you need. He already knows. It's not to, to, to desperately beg for, I need this, or I want that, or why isn't this going my way? The hardest thing to do is the simplest thing to do, and that is to sit in silence. Yeah. Because he will speak. He will nurture. He will guide. He will love. God's presence is so visible, and his love is so visible in the quietest moments of our lives. That's it. That's it exactly. And that's it's funny because we we might try that. We might say, okay, I'm going to be silent. And then we, we begin, and we expect God to break the silence. But it's, as you said, it's counterintuitive. Yeah, but you're still, your, your expectation, this is you. You said it. You nailed it. You're expecting yes. that God's going to break that silence. This is still something that, in a way, you're trying to control. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, we've talked about this before, because this is what, my spiritual director had had me work on for such a long time is how do you find silence? And it's extremely difficult and it takes time and it takes practice. But with persistence, you'll find that you can enter into silence much faster than ever imagined. And God will speak to you very clearly. Now, obviously there are some techniques and some ways to, uh, create silence and find silence easier. It reminds me really, I think, and I don't remember which book it's from, but it reminds me of the quote, I think it's from Isaiah, where he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You know, like there has to be, when you're speaking of the persistence in sticking with being silent, you might sit there in silence for a long time while God prepare and what God is doing is he is preparing your heart to hear him. You're not at a place at the beginning to hear God. He has to prepare you. And that can take time depending on where you are in your spiritual life. That can take time. And that's the seeking with all of our heart. We have to be persistent in that. We can't just, okay, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give God five minutes and then, if he doesn't show up, he doesn't show up. That's not the way it works. That's not how God is. He's not on our beck and call. Hey, it's Jim again. You know, I'm the kind of guy that when he finds something really worthwhile, likes to tell people about it. So I wanted just a minute here to tell you about a line of Christ-centered clothing called God's Brand. I personally have several God's brand items, pullovers, button downs, a really nice quarter zip fleece. They're stylish and they help me represent my faith in everyday life. When you get a chance, check out godsbrand.com. They have all sorts of styles for almost any occasion. Again, they're at godsbrand, all one word, dot com. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. So Jim, we, I think we see 
God visibly in many ways throughout our days. And I want to talk about this a little bit because for those reflection and silence, we're talking about how hard that may seem or how much persistence and technique and, and time that might take. And for some, we don't want this to necessarily be a turnoff. Right, right. But I think that God presents himself very visibly and very in, in many other moments and in many other instances throughout our days. And I think a lot of them are, are very obvious and it's worthy talking about. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just church. You know, we've got Jesus Christ. God gave his only son. Right. We've got the church. Right. Well, and that's what uh, the Holy Father, the first thing that he says is he identifies God becomes visible in the men and women who reflect his presence. That's exactly what we spoke about last week yeah. with Bob. Yeah. He was one of those people. And there are people throughout history. You think of the saints, of course, uh, Mother Teresa, you know, uh, the different, but even besides those people, there are people around who simply reflect God's presence by their lives. And you encounter them all the time. And when you do, it leads you to a more joyful place, a more peaceful place. And so that's where he begins. But then he also, and we've talked about this one as well, in his word, in his word, so we can enter into the scriptures. That's why already, as we've been discussing this, we delve into the story of Peter. We delve into Isaiah. We delve into the story of Elijah. You know, like we're drawing from the scriptures because this is the language of God and it speaks to us God's very word. And so that is an encounter with the Lord. We can't get around that. Every time it's an encounter with the Lord. Now we do need that silence in order to, in order to receive it most fittingly, but every time we're encountering the Lord. And then, of course, you have the sacraments. The sacraments are really God's very hands reaching into the world. And he says, especially in the Eucharist, and that's what, to your point, when we go into church, it's no wonder. When we spoke to, to, I can't, how many people have we spoken to already where they said, I heard God most clearly. This was even before they were Catholic, right? They heard God most clearly when they entered into the Adoration Chapel. Right. And suddenly it became very clear. I want to encourage everybody, if you're Catholic or you're not Catholic, if there's a church near you, a Catholic church near you that has an Adoration Chapel, give it a try. I think you'll find that there is something palpable. I walked into a a chapel one time. This is absolutely true. And I... I thought it was it was a church for this like uh, community. It's hard to describe, but I walked into the chapel, and I kid you not. Like your natural reaction if you've grown up Catholic is you genuflect at the you know at the pew, and we were at the place where you should genuflect, and I was like, "He's not here," and I don't know how I knew that. I just knew he's not here, and I looked all around. There wasn't a tabernacle in that chapel, Hmm. and Christ wasn't present in that tabernacle. And then we entered into like this back room, like they had a back room off of the chapel, and it was overwhelming. I was like, 
oh, he's in here. This is where, (laughs) 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 this is where it's at. And sure enough, you know, like around as I came like through the door, this was before I saw it. Right. And as I came through the door, like there it was front and center, like five feet from me was this tabernacle. I was like, oh my gosh, well, why, you know, for me, my first thought, well, why isn't this in the chapel? But whatever. But that's, it's a real presence. It's called a real presence for a reason because God makes his presence so available to us. And so I think that that is most fittingly in this list. You know, God's presence really comes alive. And God's love really comes alive when you are seeking it, though, too. Like when, you, when you're, you're going to the chapel. And right. like it might not be here, but his presence is alive in you, and it sort of is gravitational. That absolutely. And that's the now in a very obviously in a very true sense, God is present everywhere. Right. 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 But he gives us access in a different sort of way. You know, it's kind of like when Christ walked on earth, right? When he walked into a room, he was present in a different way than when he wasn't in the room. And it's hard to describe. It's, you know, it, well, is God more present when Jesus walks? Well, not really. Like, that doesn't actually make more sense. God is truly present everywhere. But when Jesus walked in the room, it was present uh, differently, more accessibly, and physically. And the same is true when we speak of these ways in which God makes himself visible. Well, here we are in this room. Now we do have the scriptures and we have each other. But God is present here, and when I walk out, God is going to be present out there. We can call to mind that presence. That's absolutely true. And that's, I think, to the point at the end of that I, that I mentioned at the end, where the Holy Father says, we perceive his presence, and we thus learn to recognize that presence in our daily lives. Like once you have encountered God in these ways where he makes himself like imminently present, then you get to recognize almost like the fingerprints, right? And you begin to see, oh my gosh, these are everywhere. Everywhere I go, I'm, I'm encountering God, but not realizing. But the more time you spend in these areas, the more clearly you can recognize in all areas of your life that he's always been there. Well, and we mentioned his visibility in church you know, the cross, these right. are very tangible, uh, generally recognized symbols of, of God yes, and, and of faith. I went and created a short list just as I was thinking about tangible ways of seeing God's love just in ordinary days. Yeah. And certainly music is a big part of our life. Yes. We hear it through music it has an impact on uh, one's emotions yes. right at that moment yes. in many in many different ways. Simple acts of kindness, Jim, opening up doors, right. making eye contact, traits that at times are lost in society. The act of giving, you know, of charity, you know, simple simple beauties in nature. A sunrise, a warm breeze. You know, you talk about what you can give, and we talked about this with with Bob Fry, who you had mentioned earlier. 
uh, we talked last week about presence, about giving somebody your time, about patience, you know, relationships with your spouse, with your children. You know, there's so many different ways where as you really begin to open your hearts and open your minds to the love that, that God wants to pour into you and through you, you do see it. That's it. Everywhere. Yeah. Yes. There is no aspect of our life that God does not care about or enter into. A couple of weeks ago, Monsignor was giving a homily to an all-school mass. And I don't recall if you were there for this particular mass or not, but his there was a there was a piece of his homily where he had asked the children, you know, if being Christian was a crime, would you be found guilty? And I was thinking about that when I was preparing for this conversation today, and I was thinking about if loving Jesus were a crime, would you be found guilty? And it's a little counterintuitive to think about being a Christian or or loving Jesus as a crime, but I think it's a really it's a really practical way of examining where is your faith, where is your heart? Is your love pointed towards Jesus Christ? Is your love pointed towards God? And as I was reflecting on this, Jim, you know, you begin to think about, okay, what would it take for me to be convicted right. of this crime of right. love? What evidence and, do I show? Yeah. yeah. And I started thinking about, okay, well, you have to have faith, right? It starts with a belief. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be guilty of that one. Right. Action. You know, you talk about going to church, serving the Lord's kingdom. You know, how do you treat others, etc. Okay, I have faith. Do I have the action as well? And a couple of other pieces of, of I think, critical evidence here. Do we have a relationship yeah. It, do you know him? Uh, yeah, I know him, but I don't know him that well. Like, you can't, you can't convict me of, yeah, I know the guy, right? Right, right. You know, and are you following the commandments? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think that's, as I was reading the encyclical, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the commentary was about, you know, following, following the commandments, these simple commandments because I think that is showing the Lord your love by following these simple guidelines these it's this respect exactly see we all do this like we do this in our normal relationships right like I know what's going to like bother my my wife right I so know, you do it, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she might tell you yes. That's what exactly what I do. But I know the things that are uh, deal breakers for her, and I know the type of 
you know, respect that she expects. And rightfully so. She deserves it. And I believe that, and so I act that way. And that's just good relationship. That is just a healthy relationship where you know what the expectations are of the other person and you you live up to that. There are things that you invite me to your home. I'm not going to like come into your dining room and say, you know what? I really like red. So I brought some red paint. I'm going to go ahead and start painting because I'm more comfortable with red paint in the dining room. <laughs> you know, like I wouldn't do that. It's I would respect your home and your rules of life. And the same is true with God. Like we turn to God and we say, like, this is, this is the kind of behavior that, that you desire. Not only that, but we also have confidence in him that he knows what's best for us. And in that way, it's more like a parent-child relationship because the, ch- the parents say, hey, don't eat just candy. Don't eat, you know, only candy. Candy's kind of a dessert, rare kind of experience. That's how it ought to be. And the kids trust that the parents... they should trust what the parents are telling them, knowing that the parents love them so much that they want what's best for them. And when they don't, they get sick. I mean, that's what happens. That's the natural response to not listening in this case to what their parents have told them. And what happens to us when we don't listen to God is we do injury to ourselves and it's spiritual. And so we don't, Sometimes we actually feel it. Our lives become this chaos or whatever. Sometimes it's less clear than that, but we still have to come back around to to trusting God, that God knows. And the more we sort of counter that, the more hardened our hearts become, unfortunately. Yeah, as I was reading these paragraphs from the encyclical that you mentioned, I I noticed right away, and, and listening to you reminded me of this, that prior to the 16th paragraph, it's titled Love of God and Love of Your Neighbor. Right. Yeah. They, they go hand in they hand. Go they go hand in hand. Yes. And the other piece I wanted to mention that that if you have a Bible handy, I, I think, you know, First John is referenced throughout the encyclical in, in many different places. Yes. But really specifically reading... Uh, chapters three, four, and five speak deeply about how God is love. And it's not, if you're familiar with First John, it's not a long book. No, it's very It's a few yeah. pages, and it's, it's a pretty easy read. It's very accessible, for sure. But it talks a lot about loving one another. But it does start with your love of God. And specifically about how you can't say that you love God and don't love your neighbor. Right. You can't have any hate right. for your neighbor and say that you love the Lord. It's, it just doesn't work. It, they specifically call it a lie. Right. First John 4.20. I happen to, you're not referencing it, like, but you're practically quoting it. And uh, I will quote it. Go ahead. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother whom he has seen cannot love God 
whom he has not seen. Yeah. I mean, it's they go hand in hand. And you think about that. Think again. Like, this is our father. And so you think he is not only my father, but he's the father through creation, if not through baptism, of all the people that we encounter. And if you meet some kid, if you're the kid right in class who treats another kid poorly, well, what's that kid's dad going to be like? You know, <laughs> what is, how is that relationship going to go well? If you're a jerk to his son or daughter, well, that father, that is disrespecting the father. And so Christ, through the letter to John, calls us out on that. He, he clearly says, you have to love those that you do see. You cannot just say, it's so easy to say, but if you really mean it, you will act that way. Well, and that goes back to being convicted of your love for Jesus. It's not only the faith, but it is the action. Right. It is what you do. Exactly. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blazing Bush Podcast. Be sure and check out our website at blazingbush.com, as well as follow and like Blazing Bush on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time. God bless.